Welcome back to Chainsaw Matinee. Everybody take your seats. We have such sights to show you. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) And we are here today to talk about the Wolfman, nineteen forty-one. Yep. Now, if if you're confused about why I howled, we just explained it. <laughs> we just explained it. I mean, Marty also is just like that. Yeah, I'm a bit of a furry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I will be a furry for this podcast. Yeah, um, I am. Yes. Otherwise. Mm, I'm shocked I never actually grew up to become a furry, because if you would talk to me, like, in the middle <laughs> school, I I was going down that path, and then I don't know what happened. I think I, like, okay, so there are two paths, right? Like, it kind of split mm-hmm. off, and I could have chosen furry or robofucker, um, and I chose robofucker. <laughs> so that's where I, I like am em. now. I like them big and scary. Well, I mean, you could have chosen furry and robofucker. I mean, Transformers Beast Wars is a thing. <laughs> true. Damn, that's true. <laughs> true. Uh, so yeah, I'm more of a slime than a fur lover. Or horns. I like a very fair. I like slime do you and like I like slimer. Fire. Oh, hell yeah. What that do? Do you let <laughs> slimer into into your house and let him eat your bathroom? Absolutely. That's my wonderful. Kink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Put that on my Wikipedia bio. <laughs> this is already gone off the rails and I love it. Uh it happens. <laughs> Chaos ensues. For the month of October, we are talking about the classic universal horror monster movies. If you haven't listened to our episode on Frankenstein, be sure to check that out. We had a really great conversation about the history of filmmaking and um, the history of the Universal Monster movies. So, funny enough, The Wolfman was made exactly ten years later. So Frankenstein is 1931. This movie, we are 1941. And it was very interesting, actually, to see, like, how much filmmaking had progressed in ten years. Because, like, I would say, like, the visual effects yeah. for Frank- for Frankenstein were obviously really good, but they were a lot more, like, stylized. Like, um, kind of a German expressionist kind of look. Where, like, the Wolfman, mm-hmm. like, it's a lot more polished and realistic. There's a lot more, like, camera motion. And a little bit more There's of a-, a fairy tale kind of feel yeah, to it, Yeah, there's an the orchestral sets. score versus, like... Frankenstein doesn't really have a score because um, sound film was still very new when that came out. So you can Mm -hmm. tell, like, in this time period, they've kind of learned a lot more about it, kind of polished some things. So it was very interesting. And, like, it is also worth noting that politically things had changed a lot. So this movie was released Mm -hmm. two days before the bombing of Pearl Harbor. 
um, World War yeah. II is like ramping up. And um, this will play into the themes of the movie, actually, which is something I think we can talk mm-hmm. about later after we do a plot breakdown. But um, just as like kind of a just to kind of set the scenery for what's going on in the world when this movie came out. So shall we dive into the plot of the Wolfman? Yeah, so this, I want to add this movie actually doesn't. It's like one of the only universal uh, monster films that wasn't adapted from a a book or an existing like play. Um, this was like totally written like at like f- for this movie. Like the the script is totally original, um, which I find really interesting because like a lot of the like lore and rules that we have for werewolves now like originally came from this movie um yeah before this we didn't have like the the like certain things that happen in yeah wolf movie like werewolf movies until until 1941 and uh i mean like this movie is so influential over like the whole uh like world of werewolves um yeah um (laughs) it is yeah it is really interesting so like the the folklore of the werewolf has been around for a while like since ancient greek times and like possibly even before then a lot of different cultures around the world have had like their versions of a werewolf story um like i said the greeks like old german folk tales um uh, some different Native American tribes have, like, different stories that are, like, kind of similar to a werewolf story. So a lot of cultures have, like, a take on this. Um, but, yeah, like Marty was saying, the actual rules that we now associate with werewolves basically came from this movie. Like, the whole thing about, like, the full moon is when they transform. That came from this movie. Um, being killed by silver is also from this movie. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, like very interesting to note Mm -hmm. and this was also this movie was written by um kurt siodmak who um he like lived in germany for a while and then um well he's he's a jewish man so he lived in germany for a while and then with the rise of fascism and nazis um left the country and moved to america um and began writing scripts here and there's a lot of jewish influence on this story too and that's really interesting to me as well yeah so in the wolfman we meet our main character larry talbot who is returning to his home in wales after being away for i think they say he was away for like 18 years or something um Mm -hmm. because his brother he lost his accent Oh yeah. yeah, he's like fully American. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His um, they, I guess um, his brother has died, and he's like trying to reconnect with his father. Yeah. So originally, Larry Talbot was just gonna be like an American like mechanic who just goes to Scotland, but then they changed it to Wales, and then like put him as part of this like family instead of him just kind of being an outsider. Um, which is kind of interesting. I, I feel like 
um it, the the story would have been like maybe a, like a little different with like if he wasn't connected to the family and just kind of uh, was there <laughs> yeah yeah um, it's interesting too that um i personally find larry infuriating as a character but I love Lon Chaney Jr. as an actor. I find his presence yeah. physically and emotionally very engaging. Like when mm-hmm. Larry is not saying anything, I love Larry. When Larry is speaking, I hate Larry. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I, yeah. I didn't like him at first, but as the story progresses and like he feels like he's losing his mind, I like him a little more. <laughs> I do agree. Um, it's hard to uh, like he's him. He's a little because- creepy. Yeah, it was, like, one of the first scenes we see of him is, like, he's at his family home, and he's looking through a telescope, and he, like, looks into this girl's window, and he's like, ooh, she's pretty, and so he goes down to talk to her, because she, like, runs an antique shop. So he goes into the antique shop, and he's like, hey, can I buy those earrings that have, like, a crescent moon? And she's like, we don't sell any earrings like that, and he's like, but I know you have them up in your room, and she's like, what? Like, how do how well, you yeah, know that? Yeah, and then he's like, I'm psychic. And it's like, no, you've just been yeah, stalking just her. <laughs> watching her through her window. Like, okay, dude. Um, like, <laughs> that's not a way to make an entrance. <laughs> but For real? Uh, he does end up buying a walking stick while he's there. And it has a silver wolf head on the top. And so mm-hmm. uh, Gwen, who's the girl it's who It's got a star the- on the side as well. Yeah. So Gwen, who runs the antique shop, tells him about the legend of the werewolf. That it's a man who turns into a wolf at certain times, and um, the um, that the pentagram that goes with oh yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, even a man who is pure at heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Yeah. Again, written yeah. for the movie, such a beautiful and descriptive poem like it really sets a mm-hmm. tone and a mood it's mm-hmm. beautiful and yeah i love that it was made for this movie because it does sound like an ancient little fairy tale like they did such yeah. a good job at that it, yeah mm-hmm. um so she also tells him that the werewolf will always see a pentagram on the palm of his next victim so that's um a recurring motif they were introduced to yeah so um He's, like, trying to ask her out, but she is engaged, so she's like, sorry, I'm not interested in going on a date. But somehow, like, he does talk her into just going to hang out, um, so she brings her friend Jenny along, and she and Larry and Jenny all go to get their fortunes told, because there's a, like, Romani camp kind of set up by their town, and, um, mm-hmm. there's a fortune teller named Bella, who is also played by Bella Lugosi. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. We're not going to get into the double take when I saw him. Yeah, the casting of white people as Romani is like very cringe, but that unfortunately was just very um that was just what happened. That's just time, how it was. Which, yeah. Again, that sucks, but like in the 1940s Not great, but didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also do use a slur throughout the movie. Um Mhm. So if we you're are not going this, to say and, it, though. Yeah, so. we're not going to say it. And if you're watching this movie or you plan to watch it and that is something you're sensitive to, just be aware. Um, which, again, mm-hmm. like, sadly, like, that word is still used a lot today in movies. The The treatment of these characters, though, isn't as bad 
as it could have been, though, I feel like. Yeah, um, I, I feel even like though they're, they're treated like... as being sympathetic. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously it could have been a lot better, like, attitudes towards Romani people during this time were mm-hmm. not great. Um, even in America, like, obviously in Germany it was terrible, but, like, even in America, attitudes towards them were mm-hmm. unfortunately not great. So that is just something to be aware of if you're planning to watch this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. I, I I do feel like saying. because the writer was Jewish, he was a little more sympathetic to, like, Romani people when writing them. Um, yeah. Just because there there is a little bit of overlap between those cultures, so. It's kind of a double-edged sword in this movie because there's a com- conflict where I do believe they are portrayed sympathetically, especially um, the elderly Romani woman who is pretty much right and helping everyone. Maleva. And is the mo- Maleva is the smartest character and the most compassionate mm-hmm. character in my eyes. And she is portrayed with this this deep wisdom. There is a little bit of like mysticism about her that's not great. I will say that. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I can't look away from in this movie is the wolf originates from... Um, Remind me who Bella Lugosi is playing. Is it is his character seriously named Bella too? Yes. Yeah, his, his character is named Bella. Bella. Wild. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> fact that the Wolfman curse does come from him in this movie is, uh, I don't know how to. Yeah. Well, I think Not- when we get into like breaking down what the curse represents to the writer of this film, there can be some interesting interpretations of that. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do think that, like, you know, if you're watching this movie without that context, it could definitely be seen as, like, a really racist stereotype. Um, but I don't Mm -hmm. think that's what the writer intended, um, given that, like, he himself, like, has said that he really relates to and, like, that this curse of the wolf is basically, like, his way of trying to process some of the trauma that he's been through. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, with with the the curse, um, we actually watched. There's like a little tiny documentary on our DVDs, which is where I'm getting a lot of, uh, the information that um I've learned about these movies. Um, but he said like the, so he he said that like there, um, it's both like the way that no- seemingly normal people can turn into monsters. But at the same time, with the way the characters act about becoming those monsters, it's more about, um, like, the way people treat them um, and, like, being afraid of hurting other people based on, like, something that you can't really control. Um, Which, mm -hmm. uh, by the way, that was a great documentary. Like, they literally interviewed the writer of this film, because I assume this documentary was made, like, Mm -hmm. in the 90s, probably. Um, yeah. Because so the writer of the film died in 2000. He was 98 years old. So like, yeah. Uh, already, I'm just like, what a legend. Mm-hmm. So I thought Could it. Could you was imagine cool working to... on a movie in the 90s with the man who made the fucking Wolfman? Right. Like, I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, with that's amazing. And like, I just think it's really cool that um, he lived so long and left such a legacy. Like. It's just um, a certain kind of justice that I personally really like. 
when I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. like you outlived all of the stupid Nazi fuckers who like who you had to literally leave your country for from and escape from them, but mm-hmm. then like you fucking lived longer than most of those people. So I don't know. It just like makes mm-hmm. me happy. I'm like, hell yeah, like you got to live a good full life despite all of the struggles that you went through. Yeah. Uh, so back to the story. So they're at this fortune teller, and when he goes to read uh, Jenny's palm, he sees the sign of the pentagram, and so he's like, oh, you have to leave. Like, I can't tell you anything today. Um, yeah, because so... w- the, like we said, like, he sees a pentagram on her palm, and so that basically marks, um, like, the next victim of the the wolf curse like so he knows that he's going to attack her when he turns into a werewolf so he's like trying to make sure that that doesn't happen and yeah it's very sad (laughs) it is very sad so meanwhile like larry and gwen are out walking and um they hear jenny scream and so like Larry runs to go find her, and he sees her being attacked by a wolf, and so he hits the wolf over the head with his walking stick, and um, kills it, but before he kills it, he gets bitten. And then when the police come, they find Ginny with her throat torn out, and they're like, oh, she was killed by an animal, but then they also find Bella, who's dead, and like Larry's walking stick is next to him. So they all are kind of suspicious of Larry, like, oh, you did you kill this guy? But um, Larry's like, no, I was fighting a wolf. And he's like, look, I got bit. But then when he opens his shirt, like the wound on his chest has healed overnight. Um, mm-hmm. So all the- That's another thing kind of that's like, from this movie. So like- Yeah. That like kind of like fast healing, which shows up in American Werewolf in London and like some other werewolf movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I really want to give a quick shout out to- um. Claude Rains, who plays yeah. uh, the father in this film. Yeah, and John can Talbot. I just say, hardcore Dilf over here. <laughs> I dig him so much in this film. And I know he also played the Invisible Man, but um, mm-hmm. you don't really get to see him in that one. Ha ha ha. But this one, ha ha. damn, I just love his presence. He is so, so magnetic. Yes. Yeah. I feel like at some point we should cover The Invisible Man. I don't know if we'll do it this month. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll do it for Patreon. I don't know. Um, but I would love I would love to talk about that one because that's yeah. what another one that I really like. Um, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's not like a monster movie even though it kind of is. Not I mean, really. It's built as one hmm. of the universal monster movies. So I guess technically Technically, I would say it he's is, like on but the. I don't feel like he's a monster. He's just a dude that you can't see. <laughs> he's kind of, I would say, on the B team of like Universal monsters because you you think of like the very physically monstrous at first, and mm-hmm. he's there, but because you can't see him, he enters this strange realm of like, well, people can't really be scared when they see him because they can't see him. Anyway, we're not talking about the Invisible mm-hmm. Man. We're talking about this one, and this one we can see that he is a dilf. <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> um, although i was more into larry just physically but that's me yeah i did think you he was really type. handsome but 
I had never, <laughs> like, I hadn't really seen Lon Chaney Jr. outside of, like, m- makeup. So I was just kind of surprised, mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, he's, like, really good looking. Um, yeah. So it was kind of cool. He's got a lot of charisma. Yeah. So, um, Larry and Gwen, um, well, Larry gets to meet Gwen's fiance, and all of them, like, go to this carnival, and, um, while they're there, uh, Bella's mother, Maleva, finds Larry, and she tells him that the wolf that bit him was Bella, and that Bella was a werewolf, and she's like, now you're one too, so you have to be careful, and, like, that silver is the only thing that can kill a werewolf, and she gives him a charm to prevent him from transforming. But he's not really sure if he believes her, so he kind of just mm-hmm. blows her off. But he gives the charm to Gwen for protection. Yeah, he's like, "This is a pretty necklace. You should have it." And it's like, um, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm like, you dude, just totally bro. okay, <laughs> bro." <laughs> well, and he's like, "I this will protect you if it's true." And I'm like, "Bro, you could have protected everyone." By just wearing the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, man. But sadly, also, again, listen. I don't want to be one of those. I don't want to be one of those people who's like, oh, cinemasins. But like, d- d- why didn't Bella have one of those? That's also a good um, point. I think he did. And I think the explanation is that you turn full wolf, kind of, instead of more like monstrous, like, like Larry does. That's my thinking anyways, okay. but I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the movie doesn't make any less emotional sense. Like, emotionally, I, I'm fine with this film. It's just one of those little plot details that you're like, what? Yeah. What is that thing? <laughs> um, but it's so... also a moment for Larry to show more of, like, his character and who he is and where his priorities lie. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Give it a pass. Um, so later, Larry does end up transforming into a werewolf, but yeah, his werewolf looks a lot more, like, humanoid than mm-hmm. Bella's, um, like, yeah, Bella is, the is just picture, kind of a dog. <laughs> yeah, of, like, the, yeah, of Lon Chaney Jr. with all the hair glued on his face, like, which does look mm-hmm. really Isn't it yak hair? Yeah, yes, it was hair. yak hair, and it was done by Jack Pierce, who did Frank the Frankenstein makeup, of course. Dude, I think he also I did the, the. I think he also did the Mummy too. Yeah, yeah. Which the, did he do Dracula? I do not. Um, know. I don't think he did Dracula. I think since Dracula was kind of he did, Dracula doesn't really need a lot of makeup. Um, yeah, you're I right. Think, you're right. Jack Pierce was more of like a prosthetics kind of person, so yeah. Um, I think like that was like one of the movies that like the first movies that they brought him on to do was Frankenstein, if I'm correct. I don't remember so that, fully. That documentary that we watched did talk about like some of the process. So there was a movie that came out in the mm-hmm. 30s called Werewolf of London. That mm-hmm. um. I think he did makeup on that one and like he kind of it was kind of like a prototype of the makeup for this movie like he was able to fine-tune it and develop it a lot more for this movie um it still took like a long time to put on obviously um but I think like as they kept making sequels to this movie and the character kept showing up they just like kept improving it more and more so that's kind of neat um Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like different stories of like oh it took like 
10 hours to put the makeup on. And I apparently a lot of that's been exaggerated over time. But that being said, it was still, like, a very long process. And um, the way they, like, kind of... So, like, the first transformation scene, you just see his feet get, like, hairier and hairier. And then, like, he wore, like, the these special out. boots. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they let the dogs out. The dogs, yes. the dogs being Lanchini Jr.'s feet. Yeah. Um, and then at the very going, end... Please. Yeah, at the end, you finally see his face transform. Um, and they just mm-hmm. kind of use like a stop motion effect of like over layering different photos and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Which was like super advanced for the time. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so he's a werewolf. He does end up like, ac- like killing this guy who's digging graves. Um, but then the next morning, he like doesn't remember it. But all the people in the village are like, oh, there's a wolf out. It killed this guy. Because, like, they see the big wolf paw prints leaving the scene. So they're, like, mm-hmm. trying to hunt down the wolf. And um, I think, like, eventually, after transforming again, like, eventually he realizes, like, oh, man, I am a werewolf. So he mm-hmm. decides he needs to leave. Because, um, like, as he's talking to Gwen, he notices a pentagram on her palm. So he's like, oh man, like, I need to leave. Um, But when he tries to tell his father this, that he's a werewolf and that he's killed people, his dad just thinks he's crazy and, like, keeps him, tries to keep him from leaving. And, of course, sadly... honestly... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was like, sadly, when the moon comes out, he, of course, transforms again and Mm -hmm. tries to attack Gwen... But his dad comes in and sees, like, this wolf creature and, like, hits him over the head with the silver-headed cane. And it kills him. And then the dead werewolf transforms into Larry's body. Mm-hmm. I do want to say, though, like, when Larry goes to talk to his father about, like, um, I think I'm a, a werewolf and I'm, like, turning into a wolf and killing people his dad even though he's like well i mean he doesn't believe in like the werewolf story or anything but he's like pretty progressive about like the way he talks to him about like i don't think werewolves exist but i do believe that if you're um experiencing something like this then that's very real to you which is like really progressive for the time period in terms of mental health stuff yeah can i actually read the quote because this was a bit of dialogue that really stuck with me kind of like yeah go ahead speech about searching for curiosity uh stuck with me in the frankenstein film the dialogue in these movies are so beautiful okay so he says Larry, to some people, life is very simple. They decide that this is good, this is bad, this is wrong, that's right. There's no right and wrong, no good and bad, no shadings and grays, all blacks and whites. Now others of us find that good, bad, right, wrong are many-sided, complex things. We try to see every side, but the more we see, the less sure we are. Now you ask me if I believe a man can become a wolf. If you mean, can it take on physical traits of an animal? No, it's fantastic. However, I do believe that most anything can happen to a man in his own mind. Mm, yeah. That was like really And then good immediately after though, he dialogue. kind of breaks the spell by saying, "Now let's go to church" because you <laughs> have all these like dichotomies of like 
you know, Larry may be a monster, but he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to hurt these people. Something is out of his control is affecting him. So mm-hmm. how he can't be bad because he's not doing it with malicious intent. But at the same time, he's not he can't stop it. So what does that make him it, other than just a tragic figure? But then immediately after the saying, let's go to church is hilarious to me because it it opposes this idea of these two complicated things coexisting with the church representing this is the moral and right way to live life and you have to follow these rules and you have to do these things in order to be a good person in order to get into heaven and then there's a beautiful shot where they're going to church and then everyone looks back and stares at larry and larry just can't go further into the church i don't know if it's because of his werewolfness or just because of his discomfort with what he knows he's done and what he knows he is and it's so it's such it might be a little bit of both yeah Uh, um, a lot of the werewolf myth also comes from, like, vampire lore, too, so it might be something about, like, being in a, like, a Christian building, I don't know, that would hurt him, maybe, I don't know, but, um, yeah. I think it's that scene is really good, I love that scene a lot. Yeah. It's a great scene. Where everyone just, like, looks at him, and he's, like, he can't even, like, face it because people think he's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, I think we should get into, like, some of what the writer of this movie has to say. So, as we talked about, he is a Jewish man who had to flee Germany. And, um, there's a really amazing quote from him, actually, that I want to read, because I think it really, like sums up uh, what his mindset was Please. when he was writing this film. Because I, I did a little more research for the, the Frankenstein one, but I didn't find as much on the Wolfman. I don't have the DVD, so I I am really excited to hear what you guys uh, learned from that. I, I want to know. Yeah, so he said, yes. um, he says, I am the Wolfman. I was forced into a fate that I didn't want, to be a Jew in Germany. I would not have chosen that as my fate. The swastika represents the moon. When the moon comes up, the man doesn't want to murder, but he knows he cannot escape it. The Wolfman's destiny. Um, so I, he saw this movie very much as, like, a kind of a Greek tragedy. Like, a story about fate and, like you know, things that happen to you that you don't want to happen. And I really can can see that in this film. Like, he's just, you know, channeling all of the tragedy that happened in his life into this character. Saying, mm-hmm. like, you know, he didn't choose to become a wolfman, and I didn't choose to be born Jewish in Germany. But, like, that's what fate handed me, and now you have to deal with this. And, mm-hmm. um... Mm-hmm. Again, it's very tragic. It's a really sad story, but yeah. I think that we should art... also add like the that the pentagram that shows up in this movie is very much a replacement for um like the star of David that they would put on Jewish people in concentration yeah. camps, like just like marking yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like it's such a hard this... topic to talk about but like god um i mean especially like coming from us none of us are jewish people so i do want to just have that out there Mm -hmm. 
Um, yep. Yeah. But when I'm talking about this, I'm I'm trying to talk about it very much through like the writer's point of view and like the interviews that he mm-hmm. gave. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope that we can do justice to his intent in writing this movie. Yeah. Because I do think like that that's. I mean. And it's something we talked about a little bit with Frankenstein last time, as like the use of these monster characters as like something for marginalized people to hold on to and either relate mm-hmm. to or to process our trauma. Maybe a bit of both. Like, you know, the, the yeah. wolfman, like he is an outcast. And like like I said, he didn't choose that. And so, um, and when I, I think... see him, the Wolfman is never a villain. He is always a tragic figure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think I've ever seen a Wolfman character who's like, you know, hyped about his situation. Yeah, yeah. Like even in like movies where it's kind of, I don't know, supposed to be played off as like more funny or campy or whatever there's always like an air of sadness around like a wolf character i mean one of my favorites Um, is an american werewolf in london um yes and they make kind of delves into judaism more apparent in that movie yeah i was just about to say that i was like they say david is like a jewish man yeah and i i want to say like i want to save like our talk for about like American Werewolf in London for another episode because I really love that movie. I can get into it like all fucking day. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. like the the dream sequence in that movie in which like he's he's having like a really bad dream about like wolf Nazis coming in and murdering his family and um and that's like kind of a representation of like how he sees, you know, like a monster is like someone who just kills and kills because they can and so like that's his way of like trying to process how he's becoming a monster and how he doesn't really want that and uh i love that movie i hate john landis with a passion but i love that movie yeah well and it's interesting because if we think about villainous characters in this movie to me the moment where i was angriest was when they um Larry was kind of after his second night, I think, and he was talking with his father, the psychiatrist, and a couple of the cops, and he was talking Mm -hmm. with the psychiatrist of, like, can someone be saved? And the cop was like, absolutely not. There's only one place for them to be locked away or to be killed. And I was Mm -hmm. like, whoa, what the The, fuck? uh, And then the psychiatrist was like, it depends on if they want to be saved. And it's it's an interesting (sighs) dialogue exchange. Yeah, like... It's it's so apparent in a lot of these movies that like the the prime antagonist isn't even like the the monster character themselves, but like the society that they are put into. And I I feel like that's like such a reflection of like the time period in which all of these movies were made. I mean, it, the rise of fascism and all of that and like the the way that people treat people who don't fit in is just it's incredible yeah. how how much you can glean from society based on the way that people write horror films <laughs> during yeah. the time period. I mean, I've always I've always said this that horror films are society's way of processing the things that we're afraid of, the 
the things going on in our culture. And that's why I think you see like mm-hmm. different kinds of horror films kind of go through like different trends. Like the slasher film was really big in the 70s because there was a lot of murder and serial, serial killers, killers going on at yep. that time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. like vampire films being really like more po- like kind of popular in the early 1900s like you think of Nosferatu and stuff is because there was a plague a pandemic right before then Mm -hmm. and it was kind of their way of processing that so I think you just and then and then again with the rise of rise of AIDS vampires came back as like Mm -hmm. another thing Mm -hmm. like late 80s early 90s it's our way of processing trauma Mm mm-hmm and like the haunted house resurgence yeah and the trauma Mm -hmm. the resurgence of the haunted house um kind of in the the 2010s as like the the financial crisis hit and family life was disrupted and people were trying to figure out how to cope with that as well as the rise of zombie movies after 9-11 and just Mm. it's it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating same with saw coming out after 9-11 too torture porn yeah 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 um i know we kind of got away from this but there is another quote i really want to share because this was like so touching like the poetry of this movie is beautiful where um mm-hmm. oh god what is her name Ma- Mal- maleva maleva yes maleva yes. Malva? yeah um when her son bella dies and then later when larry dies she says this little saying to them as they they die The way you walked was thorny, through no fault of your own. But as the rain enters the soil, the river enters the sea, so tears run to a predestined end. Your suffering is over, Bella, my son. Now you will find peace. And just like, holy shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a really good I really like Maleva in this movie because Mm -hmm. she's just... She she obviously cares a lot about the people around her who are inflicted with werewolfism. <laughs> um, I mean, her son and, like, even Larry, who she doesn't really know very well, but wants to help him. And, I mean, there there's obviously, like, some problems with her character, but I, I feel like that's not one of them. It's just, like, that kind of care that, you know... There are people who will care about you if you're, you know, being ostracized. And yeah, it's just a little reminder that sometimes there are kind people. And I, even if they're like not the same as you, there are other people out there that will care. And she, she kind of reminds me of this idea of knowledge is power, where if people know what is happening to them and they know what they can do, then they might have more of a chance to live. Because, like, every tragic mm-hmm. moment that happens, I feel like they're not listening to Maleva, where she's like, wear this pendant. No, I'm not going to wear the pendant. Hey, girl, you need to come with me. The werewolf's after you. And doesn't do that. Um, and it's just, you know, she comes at it from such a place of wisdom. And it's, yeah, I love her. I <laughs> think she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Maria Os. Ospinskaya is like that she ended up reprising that character in I think just about every Wolfman movie that came out after this too. Um like Lon Chaney and, too, right? Lon Chaney yeah. Jr., sorry. 
Um, and I just really love her character and I, I love her in this movie. I haven't seen any of the sequels, but I, I love her, like the treatment of this character for the most part in this movie. Yeah. It is fascinating to me that the Wolfman, at least in comparison to characters like Dracula and Frankenstein, haven't received as much of a reboot treatment as they do. Like, we don't think of Larry Talbot as, like, a common name. Like, we can't think of, like, five or six actors who have played the role. It's mainly- I know one other one, and it's Benicio Del Toro. (laughs) Yeah. Benicio Del Toro. They did, but like. One and supposedly it was not good. To make uh, supposedly they're trying to make another reboot um, with Ryan Gosling, which no, eh, <laughs> I have thoughts on that. Um, but but it's fascinating anything, that the remake process hasn't taken to the Wolfman in the same way. Like they've adapted the Wolf, the Wolfman kind of mythos, but not the characters. Yeah, and that's that really fascinating to me. Um, I do want to talk about Lon Chaney Jr. a little bit, because his story is really interesting. So, um, his dad, Lon Chaney, is also a very prominent actor who was in some horror movies. Mm -hmm. He was the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Phantom of the Opera is what he's most famous for. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually thought these two were, like, the same person, and and that's exactly what the studio wanted, because, so... Mm -hmm. He was, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. was born Creighton Chaney, and then, like, he went by a stage name, and eventually the studio, like, even took the junior part off his name, and they were, like, like, they basically wanted people to think he was his dad, so that they could sell, like, their mm-hmm. movies based on star power, which is kind of fucked up. Um, yeah, his dad was... died right before he started acting, because his dad didn't yeah. want him to be an actor. <laughs> yeah, and... So I think, like, honestly, he kind of, it seems like he became an actor as a way to honor his dad a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Also, fun fact, he was born in Oklahoma City, which is really cool. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's where we all met. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he really loved portraying the Wolfman. Because I know, like, you know, some of the different horror actors have, like, different thoughts about it. Like... You don't want to be typecast or anything like that. But for the most part, like, he was really happy to play the Wolfman and, like, came back for all the sequels. Um, Mm -hmm. And he, like, at one point referred to that character as his baby. (laughs) So I think that's kind of cool. Another fun fact. So in the the movie, the wolf who bites him is um, played by a German shepherd. So he loved that dog on set so much that he ended up adopting it and that became his dog which i thought was also really sweet um i love that so from what i've read like everyone said about him that he was an extremely kind man but if he decided he didn't like you like if you kind of made him mad then he could be like he had kind of a bad temper um but I think most of it, it seems like, was driven by, like, a sense of justice. Like, if there were actors who weren't big names on, and they were being treated, like, badly on set, he would stand up for them, and he would, like, get really mad and be like, no, you need to treat them with respect, and, like, like you know, treat them the same way you would treat me. So, it sounds like he was a pretty good dude. 
We're two for two on the good boy monster actors list. I'm I like that. I I do want to add there's like a little bit of a tidbit where somebody said that Jack Pierce and Lon Chaney Jr. did not get along, which is kind of strange. I don't know why they wouldn't get along, but like apparently Jack Pierce, while doing his makeup, would just like sometimes burn him with the iron while they were putting the hair on for some reason, just just because. I'm I'm not totally sure like about the reasons for that or if that's even true, but like yeah, they I guess they didn't get along and he would burn him on purpose. <laughs> oh man. Well yeah part of me is like my initial reaction because I don't know these people I don't know what happened obviously since the hair is so close to his face I could see it happening Mm -hmm. and I could see him getting pissed about it and I could see Jack getting pissed about like well this is the only way I can apply it so I'm gonna have to do it but again I don't know these people but I I assume that even if the makeup process wasn't as long as other makeup processes it probably wasn't fun so I could see yeah you know attitudes colliding Oof. I think it was one of those... Th- I did also hear like... he didn't get along with his co-stars either, like his yeah. actress who plays Grace. I don't think he got along with very well. It sounds like he was one of those people that, like, once he decides he doesn't like someone, then he's just like, I don't want anything to do with them, I don't like them. Um. So, <laughs> you know, there's just, like, people who are kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but anyway, it's just kind of interesting to read. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like other little tidbits about this movie. I mean, there's just so much. I I know we kind of went past the um like talking about like what happens in the movie, but I kind of want to go back to that just for a second because there is a a scene where um like Larry and Gwen and I think Gwen's fiance are at like this like carnival and Mm. um they like go to a game where you have to like shoot a wolf with a gun and you win a prize or whatever and larry they're like larry you should play this game and like he raises the gun and like the wolf pops up and he like he just can't do it and then Gwen's fiance, I think, um, grabs a gun and is like, you do it like this, and just, like, does it real easy, and it's like, oh, um, god, I just, I love, I love that scene so much, just the look on Larry's face of, like, I, I don't know if I could kill a wolf, and it's just, oh, I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. Also, yeah, um, like there's like a dream sequence kind of thing. I think it's before his first wolf transformation that uses a lot of kaleidoscope shots, a lot of layering, yeah. a lot of very... Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of Hitchcock and Vertigo. Um, yeah, yeah, the editing on that it, scene it was, was really good. Mm-hmm. It was, I love that shit. Yeah, this movie's so great. Overall, yeah, I was going to say, overall, I, just, I really liked this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I, mm-hmm. I will say I think I'm more connected to, like, the story of Frankenstein, um, but, 
as far as like the films themselves go, I think they're pretty on par with each other so far. Like I love Frankenstein. Yeah. I love this movie. And there's I mean, definitely there's... a reason that they're classics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I want to say like, even though this movie is more like prominently like allegory for like Jewishness and like being shunned by society because of being Jewish, there's also that element of like, you could also apply it to like the way gay and trans people are treated to, like today. And like, um, like again, it's not it's not one to one, but like there's definitely like that. Oh, you know, you're ostracized by society, therefore I can relate with you because I also am. Um. So yeah, there's there's a little bit you can read read into it like that too. I think mm -hmm. there's definitely something to be said for just the way that marginalized people tend to grasp onto horror films a mm -hmm. lot and um you know obviously like i can't speak for everyone or every community because different people just have different thoughts about it but like i know within our group of friends like a lot of a lot of us are either queer or racial minorities or both and um mm -hmm. like you know most of our friends are very interested in horror and i think like sympathize with the monster characters instead of being afraid of them kind of for that reason of like you can see mm -hmm. the kinder side of these characters and like you know sympathize with the fact that they feel like they don't belong in society yeah yeah i wanted to say that i did find this film at first i, I thought it was atmospheric i thought it was beautiful in the way it establishes the mythology and the tragedy of the wolfman like i said i i didn't connect so much to the character of larry at first i think the experience of thinking about the wolfman and even watching the wolfman knowing the backstory and where the writer was coming from greatly enhances the experience it's still good on its own but like oh knowing yeah for sure the the surrounding context of it it is has really given me a different perspective and i'm I'm really grateful now to know it. So thank you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think I just, I, I've said this before many times, but I'll say it again, that horror is just a very meaningful way to process tragedies in one's own life and um, to relate to like things that happen in other people's lives. Um, I think that movies are a perfect tool for empathy and even though I'm mm -hmm. not Jewish and I was very much not alive during World War II, um, just watching this movie, like, from the writer's perspective is just a very powerful tool for empathy. And, like, it made me really think about, like, what it must have felt like to be in his shoes and to be forced to leave your home because mm -hmm. of, you know, a bunch of evil people and... Mm -hmm. um so i just think that's really important and um that's why i connect so hard with horror films is like it it lets me um understand other people better like even modern horror films um like help uh like you know some of jordan peele's movies like it just helps you 
understand the trauma that another person has gone through. And I think that's extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of horror can tell you like specifically about what like the person who wrote it finds terrifying or like, you know, what, what they think about a lot when, when it comes to like, things that are scary to them and it's it's very like interesting the way that your writing can expose your psyche a little bit especially with with horror and i think kind of like you were saying kai with um you know people who have been outcast by society gravitating towards horror is because there are so few times you get to process fear and trauma in a safe place and movies are a way to do that where you know the people at the screen aren't going to come out and hurt you it's it's an experience mm-hmm. that you get to kind of control in a way mm-hmm. and i i know i personally find that very cathartic and yeah. i yeah. think a lot of people do yeah i agree well uh thank you to we started everyone. this by making furry jokes god it got so <laughs> deep well we got yeah. we got it out of the way so that we could talk about this we got it out of the way early um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah be proud of me I, mean, I didn't mention joseph from creep once yeah, <laughs> oh no, you, well no, you got it in now yeah yeah um oops yeah i do want to say like i've always also loved werewolves i was very obsessed with werewolves as a kid and teenager um well the twilight mm-hmm. movies came out like all i cared about was the werewolves i was like i want to be a werewolf um <laughs> so i do just think that's kind of you funny. know what movie slapped what alvin and the chipmunks meet the wolfman it was a oh, musical yeah. that movie uh, did slap I special loved that movie and it slapped yeah we really do need that to was one do, of like, my favorites growing month. up yeah like, werewolf we had wolf. talked about um the werewolf movie with Janessa before and we were like oh yeah we need to talk about ginger snaps like yeah there's yeah. so many good werewolf I still movies. haven't seen ginger snaps it's so ginger good. snaps is so good i've heard yeah well thank you to all of our listeners and stay tuned for more universal monster movies uh be sure to check out our twitter at chainsaw matinee for updates and if you like what we're doing, toss us a few dollars on Patreon. Like Marty said, we're probably going to put out some bonus episodes this month about the universal horror movies that we didn't get around to talking on the podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, keep an eye out for that. And um, uh, Marty and I watched the new Hellraiser movie on Friday. So we oh will probably God. do just like a quick bonus episode, like our initial reactions to that. So stay tuned. It was very good. It was very you should, good. You yes. should listen did and you watch see, for that. Did you see such sights? Did they show you such yes. sights? They, they showed, showed us oh such sights. So they sites. did. They even explained a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fucking nice. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. And uh, with with that being said, uh, everyone, um, be kind and may your nightmares be plentiful. Embrace your inner wolf. Kiss it on the top of its head. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 